What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Baseball Now. This is a very special episode, and it's one that's emotional for me. I will be interviewing Scott Reinen, one of the hosts of my favorite podcast ever, Bronx Pinstripe Show, which was really the inspiration for Baseball Now. It, if, I, if someone had told me three months ago that I would be interviewing Scott Reinen, my favorite show host ever, I would have laughed at you. But here we are. We'll get to talk with Bronx Pinstripe Show host Scott Reinen in the fate of the 2020 baseball season right after this break. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. So glad to have you here today. Thanks, Sawyer. It's my pleasure, man. I'm glad to be here. So tell us about yourself, Scott, and how you created the Bronx Pinstripe Show. I know you also with Andrew. Like, how did you create it? So we had a website, bronxpinstripes.com, that we started about 10 years ago, and it was just something that I, uh, I wanted to, to do as a, as a hobby. Kind of, obviously, the Yankees are a big passion of mine, and Andrew actually was the first writer that ever came on, onto the website. So we you know, met 10 years ago uh, from me looking for writers online on Twitter, actually, and uh, just, you know, we started working together, and he started writing, and uh, we we found that chemistry pretty naturally. I got into podcasting about a year and a half before we started the Bronx Pinstripe Show, so I had some some good uh, you know experience with setting things up on the audio side, and we decided to give it a go. And haven't missed a week since. Yeah. So did you have any struggles starting off first, or was it just kind of easy flowing? Yeah, I think in the beginning everything is you know it's just a matter of finding your your groove and, and just going uh, going at it every week, being consistent and, and finding you know, the, the nice little pocket that you can have that conversation with. And, and luckily, Andrew and I have a good rapport in the beginning. So we had just that natural chemistry to talk, uh, you know, as friends about something that we both really love and enjoy. So um, that part of it was, was easy. You know, I think being consistent and just showing up every single week, that's, that's the hard part. You got you to gotta be really disciplined to do that. Uh, but that's been something that he's helped me out quite a bit with. Yeah. So before we get any farther, we have a big baseball headline to discuss. Okay. Robert Manford. <laughs> Just two words that can make a baseball fan want to die. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your opinion on him? And do you think he's handled anything well in the past year? I mean, I think baseball as, as a whole has handled this entire thing terribly, you know, <laughs> all the way from, from the Houston Astros you know, debacle through what's happening now with the labor negotiations and even, you know, addressing the health concerns within it. I think it's been just handled very poorly. And I understand that Rob Manfred is a proxy. He is a representative of the owners. However, there's a, there's a, there's a point where you need to make sure that you're standing up for the betterment of the game. And I do not think he has done that at this point. So no, I'm not happy with the way he's handled it. I'm not happy the way he handled the Astros punishment or you know even the way he spoke about it I think it was um I don't think it was handled well at all so no I, I'm not a big fan of of uh Mr. Manfred at this yeah point. so do you think anybody should take a little burden off of Mr. Manfred because mm -hmm. um he seems very incapable at doing his job well so I, I think at some point when the owner, when, when he does decide to push back a little bit against the owners, that will be probably a nice little time for the owners to say, okay, well, we're <laughs> probably going to try to push you out at this point. And then they will, you know, look for their next, uh, their next puppet, their next guy so that they can, uh, you know, control pretty much everything from the back end through one person. It's a, it's a matter of if we can find one person that will be the commissioner of baseball that actually, actually is there for, the good of the game and uh, you know making it a good product and and trying yeah. to find middle ground between owners and players so that the fans who 
pay for the game can actually appreciate the game. Do you think that what the players did was right, or do you think that was also wrong? I don't think the players have handled it well either, honestly. I think that they've, in, in, the, in the public face, have, have probably said a lot of the wrong things. I, I don't think that they've, you know, I don't think they're necessarily wrong in their actions and what they have done and, and, and why that they are, you know, standing firm with the contracts. Because in, in, there aren't contracts that state, I get paid if people show up to watch me. The contracts are all about what they do on the field, not necessarily the people that come to watch them. That's, that's on the honest of the, of the, uh, the, the owner and the team to get people to show up and, and you know, to, to fill a, uh, a team up of, that's, uh, that's entertaining for the fans. So I, I don't blame them for what they're doing, but I don't think they've handled it correctly. Either. Yeah. So now let's take a step away from players and feuds and talk more about you, your podcast and the Yankees. Does the team in the MLB treat podcasters the same as the other media? Why or why not? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I think it's definitely relaxed. I think it's been, it's definitely a, a different story today than it was when we first started. And even when I first started the, uh, the website Bronx Pinstripes, I mean, in the beginning of it, it was, we were not, re- you know, uh, we were not represented in any capacity. The, the blogging, you know, community and that's was, was, was looked upon as amateurs and, and people that didn't know what they were doing and just, you know, not, not legitimate uh, people who follow the, the uh, the sport and the team and I think that's because the majority of us are fans in the beginning right and that's how we mm-hmm. get to it and yeah so did you have to fight for respect yeah it's just a matter of doing it I it didn't it for me personally it didn't I wasn't really looking for it you know I was just doing something that I enjoyed and I just kept doing that and and if it was received how it was received I didn't go into any uh, I did not go into it with any intentions of being quote legit uh, or legitimized by by the team you know I think that that can happen after you show a track record and show what you can do. I think that's the biggest thing. People, yeah. There are a lot of very impressive people who have started as bloggers and from the fan community. And I think today it's, it's, uh, it's being, you know, very much well-received uh, across sports. The Yankees are a little bit of an old fashioned organization mm-hmm. and they don't, they don't necessarily do all the same things that a lot of other uh, of the teams, but um, they're, they're coming around. Yeah. So did any podcasters inspire you to create your podcast? You know, the first podcaster, he's actually not a, a sports guy, but uh, one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to was a, a, a show called 99% Invisible and a guy named Roman Mars. So he, he did more of a narrative style podcast where he would tell stories and tell interesting stories and interesting facts about certain things. And uh, when, I, when I heard his podcast for the first time, I, I got very intrigued and started looking into it. And the whole, the whole concept of radio on demand to me was very... Uh, very interesting. So it's, uh, yeah, no, that's, I think that's, he's probably the guy that, that inspired me. I haven't even thought about that until you asked. It's a great question. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode that you've made? I mean, I'm, of course you have like 430 episodes, but like, is there one that really stands out? Well, I, I probably for not the best reasons in the world, but <laughs> the, the, um, the episodes that we record at, after the playoffs at Yankee stadium, because every time there's a home game when we're at the game, we record at, uh, outside the stadium. Yeah, in, uh, I remember listening to those. Yeah, and I'm sorry that you listened to that. <laughs> but there, there were uh, those were probably the the most because we actually had you know some live audience at the time. Like people would filter out of the stadium, come and hang out with us, and it was just uh, it was very raw and, and very real to the point of why we started the show in the first place. So uh, those are probably the most uh, memorable. But the other ones, uh, you know, we've done so many. But yeah, it's a it becomes a blur. I also the Rob Ref Snyder interview because I was 
a, a little probably too obsessed with Rob Refsnyder at one point. That was fun. <laughs> and then the other, uh, the other one that stands out in my mind is um, Aaron Judge's hitting coach. Aaron Judge's hitting coach. That was a fascinating conversation to me because I love the, uh, the coaching side of baseball and hearing him talk about how he reconstructed Aaron Judge's swing and how he did it and all of the, the process that went into that to me was fascinating. So that was, those are, yeah. those are the, the long answer. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I actually, I'm pretty sure I saw you guys at um, a playoff game okay. against the Minnesota Twins nice. this, this year. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were there for, yeah. I think, yeah, for all of the home games. So you should have said hi. Next time, yeah. say hi. <laughs> I, was pro- I was way too nervous then to say yeah. hi. Well now, well, now we've had some FaceTime. So next time, please. Yeah. Please say hi. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's fun going to the games and those. There's some, there have been some very, very fun games against the Minnesota Twins in the playoffs uh, last year and then 2017. Yeah. We were there for both of um, uh, DD's home runs. Oh, yeah. So um, during that game, I remember um, people were yelling at the pitcher that used to be like a, like, what, what was he, like Uber. a, he was an Uber a driver. milk driver or something? Uber, yeah. He was an Uber <laughs> driver. He was, was Uber. <laughs> There was an Uber chant that we we caught flack for in the papers the next day. And, and <laughs> yeah, there was there was running. It's all in, it was all in good spirit. It is what it is. When you walk into Yankee Stadium, you should understand that, you know, you're you're probably going to get taunted a little. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of crazy fans on the podcast, I've interviewed Vinny Milano, the Bleacher Creature. Have you had any experience with Bleacher Creatures? Yeah, absolutely. I've I've met Vinny uh, a number of times, um, and you go back to the 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 root of the. The bleacher creatures and you just have the the hardcore fans who would walk up into the the bleachers are a different place now than they were when they started back you know back when i was a, a kid going into the bleachers when it was uh you know it was it was a different it was a different place it wasn't it wasn't uh it was not the place it was today but it was a lot of fun and very very passionate hardcore new yorkers hardcore fans so uh, gotta respect the bleacher creatures so speaking of which, you and um, Andrew, you do your BP crew events, right? Can you tell us some more about that? Yeah, that was, that was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to start Bronx Pinstripes in the first place. I wanted to get just a, a group of Yankee fans together and, uh, you know, build that community so we could all go to games together. I think that's, it just sounded like a lot of fun. And it's more fun when you go to sporting events, specifically baseball games, when you're with a group of people. It's just a, just a fun atmosphere. And um, yeah, it finally came to fruition. Thankfully, uh, Colleen, who came on to the Bronx Pinstripes team um, last year, year before last, she she finally got us uh, got us moving in the direction where we could you know put something together uh, because our bandwidth before Colleen came on was just was just too much. We were stretched. So um, yeah. yeah, we finally got it. They're a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. So how far has it spread? Like, is it in like different countries now? Oh yeah, we have a pretty big chapter in the UK right now. I know there's uh, there's guys that have come to our events from Australia. Oh wow! Uh, from from Germany, we've met people from all over the world. They, uh, it's it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, you just what it shows you is that how how big the Yankee fan base is and how far stretched it is. Because you know, for a long time, obviously the Yankees were in the '90s had such a such a great run that I think it really uh, you know it got a lot of people on board and then the families being a fan's a family thing, right? You, you were born a Yankees fan. You had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> and, God and that's, I'm not a Phillies fan right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone made me a Jets fan and that's an unfortunate cir- circumstance, but I can't do anything about it because I was born into this. Um, but it's one of those things that is passed down generation to generation, which I love. So I think that, you know, we're, that's why, that's why if we have good teams, you get bigger fan bases, 
just happens yeah. that way. So um, can you tell us one of the craziest things that's ever happened at Yankee Stadium while you were there? <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, having 420 people or 472 people in right field for a playoff game all sitting together wearing the same shirts wearing you know just just all you know chanting together was probably one of the most fun experiences i've ever had that was last year during the the alcs uh game against the twins and we we uh or alds i'm sorry and we had uh you know 472 people all in section 205 and in 206 um and uh it was just it was just an amazing it was an amazing it had never been done before so it was the biggest group outing uh that has ever been to to yankee stadium so uh in the playoffs so it was it was pretty unbelievable i've seen some other not so good things at yankee stadium uh and and you know around yankee stadium you know over over the years but we'll leave it that the i probably the craziest thing though because you asked crazy was when i was waiting online for world series tickets mm-hmm. outside yankee stadium and the this was in um 1994 and the line wrapped around the stadium Oh God! Multiple times, and then into the practice fields, and we were out there all night long uh, until middle of the night. I don't, to my memory, it was three, four in the morning, something like that. Oh, um, there was a you know people started just running and trying to get in front of the line, and a riot broke out, and people were just going all over the place. It was it that was crazy. So yeah, you're trying to like dodge not getting hit and stay in line and get World Series tickets. That's what, yeah. that's what it took. <laughs> Have you um have you ever met any players on the Yankees? Yeah, yeah, we've we've uh, we've had a, a you know a few of them on the show and definitely met some in person. They're uh, we we've been fortunate for you know some of the relationships that we've built uh, on the back end too of of doing all this stuff. So um, just some really good, we did a lot of stuff with Cameron Maben last year uh, with Hug Season raising money for um, you know the, his foundation. So that was a lot of fun and uh, yeah, there's some really good guys on the on the back end that the Yankees have, have definitely had a history of having just good dudes, uh, on their team. Yeah. So what is your favorite Yankee of all time? Don Mattingly. Mm-hmm. Don Mattingly was my guy growing up. He was always my guy. He was the, uh, you just looked over at your dad. I think is he, is he a Mattingly guy too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so Mattingly was Mattingly was the superstar of the Yankees in a, in an era that was not what we're used to, you know, in, growing up, or seeing what happened in the nineties. And then 2009, the, the team was terrible for a long time. And really my whole childhood until 96, uh, well, until 94, really until 93, oh, wow. until 93 happened. And then, um, but Mattingly was the, was the guy who was, who was, uh, you know, the, the, the leftover piece that was going into these good teams. And unfortunately got cut a year short because of the, the Seattle Mariners, uh, knocked the Yankees out and uh, and Mattingly never got back to the playoffs so yeah. never, he retired after that so that's funny because um our team usually argues because um my dad my uncle and my grandfather are very big Don Mattingly fans and I try to tell them that Lou Gehrig or Mickey Mantle is better than Don Mattingly and they always try to change change the argument so it seems like Don Mattingly is better <laughs> well, I mean if we're looking at who's better that one would be a hard one to argue but the uh I think what happens when, when you're a fan, depending on when you grow up and the guys that are around in your childhood are the ones that you really hang on to. Uh, you know, I'm not old enough to have seen Mantle or Gehrig. I wish that I had seen them because that would be, that would be awesome if you could go back in time and, and check those guys out. But Mattingly was the guy at the time, and, and he was just you know, 
bigger than life at that point when, when, uh, you know, I was 10 to 12, 14 years old. Yeah. So has it been difficult to record in quarantine or has it been easier, like less things to do? It's about the same, honestly, just the fact that we have nothing to talk about that's, <laughs> that's relevant to the field. You know, that's the biggest thing is that we have, we've had no baseball since, you know, November, since we got, since we got uh, ousted in the playoffs. And the, the last big thing that's happened to the Yankees was Garrett Cole. And that, that was, you know, uh, that was in the winter. So we're, uh, we're going on a long stretch here, we're going on a long stretch, ready for some baseball to happen again. Yeah. So do you have any major predictions for the 2020 season? If it happens, of course, because we all know Manford keeps delaying it every other day, 15 games. So we don't know. Yeah. That, and that makes it tough to have predictions for, for something that's just so unknown at this point for, for us to even really guess about if I, what I, what I will predict is that if we do come back and I'm, I'm still, I'm still hopeful that they will. I, I do think that they will. I think it's too much of a, of a black eye not to come back at all at this point, but unless it's a health concern, but the, um, if it does come back, I think it's going to be fun. I, I, I think it's going to be something very different. I think we're all going to treat it as such. And I think it's going to be, uh, have a tournament feel and just kind of a race to the end of the season. Um, and it's going to be something that we've never seen before in baseball because it's, you know, such a long season uh, that, that now we're putting that into a little bit of a vacuum and, and trying to see if we can come out in almost like a tournament style. So it'll be interesting, I think, to, to, to yeah. at, the very, at the very least. Yeah, so you see what the NBA is doing right now. Do you think the Yankees could like, possibly go to like Arizona or Florida and basically play all of their games there, or is that just not an MLB thing to do? I think they're going to have to limit the fields in some way or, or the interactions in some way. You know, that, that part of it still to me is, is, a, is a big question mark honestly because it's 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 so wide open and there's so many players that um that that make it very difficult to do the logistics are very difficult because of the amount of players that have to be on a team whereas basketball is not the same it's just different hockey same thing the rosters are smaller uh you know and it's 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 just the logistics for baseball make it very difficult i think so we will see i think they do have to have some limit in in the where in in the places that they play though yeah so do you think that um like if like I, like if we could go back to the owners and the players issue, do you even like slightly understand how the owners feel, or do you feel like it's crazy? I mean, like they are billionaires, but they are losing losing millions and millions of dollars. Like, do you think there's any sense to it, or just nothing? Of course, I mean these guys are billionaires for a reason, right? They've they've done well in their life and in their careers to make money to purchase a, a major league baseball team. So they're they're no dummies when it comes to making money, and that's that's what got them to this point. So they understand what happens. And, and I know we all say billionaire, they're billionaires and losing millions. And that sounds like, you know, monopoly money to, to all of us, but it is real money. They are in this for, for profit. They're in this for a business at the, at the end of the day. So I do understand, I understand the economic part of it. I understand what they're trying to do. And, and they, you know, they don't want to give, um, give way for, for precedent leading into a collective bargaining agreement for the players to then use against them. So there's a lot of different psychological things that are happening here too that are that's gamesmanship i think for for what's happening so you know i think a lot of this is uh is posturing and just putting themselves in certain positions so that they can get the best deal uh, I, I mean i do understand it i don't yeah. like it but i understand it so do you think that um this will um basically cause some owners to like give up the rights to teams or sell portions to other owners uh, i think you could you could see some restructuring i think in some of the smaller organizations that that have, you know, uh, very different economic 
um, structures than the Yankees do and some of the other big teams, the ones that are, that are not drawing attendance on, a, on, on a, a normal year. I think those are the ones that are, you're going to see some difficulties, depending on who the owner is, though. Um, so I could see some groups restructuring, uh, but I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I would not expect any drastic changes, no, but I could see some restructuring uh, on yeah. a few teams. So if we were going to, so if we're going to talk for, for a little bit, let's talk about um, Brian Cashman. So yeah. some people really hate him. Some people really like him. Where do Who you hates think? Him? I mean, some people hate him because they say he does not pick up enough offensive pieces and just like basically, I mean, he picks up all the offensive pieces, but kind of sometimes forgets about pitching or sometimes right. the other way around. Right. Like they think he's one-sided, like things like that. Okay. Um, I think those people need to, take a look in the mirror a little bit more and just see what this guy has done. You know, so I understand the pitching part. A lot of that hasn't worked out. The, the free agent moves that he's made for pitching behind, before Garrett Cole has not moved out. They have not drafted pitching well. So I think that there is there, you know, when you look at the top, the guy who's in charge, then yes, he deserves uh, criticism for a lot of that stuff. But at the same time, I think he's very savvy. I think he makes a lot of very, very good moves that, that, the majority of general managers would not ever think about making. And I think that he's really taken a page um, out of what the Yankees have done with Gene Stick Michael and that structure and how they've built the organization through the draft, through, um, through now international free agent signings, and you know, now adding pieces that are complementary and to put them over the top with, in free agency, not building through free agency, but building through your own organization and then adding the pieces that you need to uh, to put you over the top for, uh, for, for a winning team. And I think that he's put the Yankees in position to do that, I think, for, for, for many years. And let me tell you this, the, the fact that he went out and traded Araldis Chapman and traded uh, Andrew Miller and brought in pieces in a, in a time where they were fringe, you know, wild card, they were not out of it completely at that point, that took a lot of guts because it doesn't go well sometimes in the New York media to do that. It's not an easy thing. Yeah. So what was your favorite season in the past decade? Was it like the 2017, kind of the end of the Jeter, A-Rod era, Mariano era, and to the Judge Sanchez era? Or was it like this year where they're like finally starting to come together and get ready to ramp up to win a World Series? 2017 was a lot of fun. I think 2017 was probably my, the, the most fun that I've had in a, in a long time because uh, 2016 also at the end of the year. But when you see when there's a bunch of kids playing, like I, I love watching, I don't like watching old guys play baseball. It's not an old guy game. It's just not. It's more fun to watch younger guys with energy to play the game. It's just, it, to me, it's a, more, it's, a, it's a better product and it's more fun. So when, the, when there was a youth uh, insurgence and, and, you know, when the, when the Yankees had the, um, all these guys come up, it was to me the most fun to watch them all play together because they all came up together. A lot of them have played, you know, in Tampa and in Trenton and in Scranton. So a lot of these guys all played together uh, coming up through the system and won championships in those, in those leagues uh, and then came up here. So you could see that there was already a, a rapport with them and they were just having a blast and, and had nothing to lose at that point. So that was a lot of fun. Now expectations are in play and we have, you know, World Series or bust now, whereas <laughs> 2017, it was kind of, you like, know, it was, it was house money at that point. And now that we know what we know now about 2017, they probably should have gotten to the World Series and who knows if they could have won it. Who knows how that changes history, you know, yeah. in, in the way that the Yankees have a, a newfound different type of confidence walking into the 2018 season as well. So uh, 2017 was a lot of fun. Yeah. So Another issue that's been going around, it's mainly just rumors, but Rob Manford did mention that 
that um the Yankees might have been involved in some cheating scandal in 2017 to 2018. Do you think this is real, or do you just do you just think it's just more Red Sox fans or Astros fans trying to rub it in or like try to make themselves feel better? I mean, so there was smoke. They got there were infractions that happened. That's our that's everything that they've done has been out there. Uh, you know, Larry Rothschild was using a phone in the middle of, in a game that that he was not supposed to. Thank God, really, Larry Rothschild out here. Yeah, like he doesn't know how to use phones or when you know when you're <laughs> supposed to use them. So um, I'm kind of chalking that up to uh, Larry Rothschild just being a dope. But yeah, um, at the same time, yes, they they got they got in trouble for that. They they uh, you know they they had consequences, but it was nothing, nothing, nothing. I, I yeah. think that those level of infractions that that teams are making are happening throughout baseball. The, what the Astros did, the premeditated type of, you know, deliberate cheating that they did uh, from the top of the organization to the bottom of the org, actually from the intern level to the top of the organization is how it started, <laughs> from the bottom to the top. They had um, interns banging trash cans. They had interns coming up with, you know, <laughs> algorithms for, for, their, for the sequencing. So the, it was, what they did was egregious and to me just very, very, very different. Uh, yeah. So, and the Red Sox got in trouble for doing a similar thing with the Apple watches. And to me, that wasn't even a big deal. Like I wasn't even mad about that because I think a lot of teams are probably doing that. Yeah. So speaking of the pitching coach, coach, I'm just glad that Larry Rothschild is gone and we're moving on to Matt Blake, but just, I think it, it's going to be better for the Yankees because they just need somebody more high tech and more, more new and not just like full on boomer mode where it's just <laughs> like, I don't know how to use this. I don't care about metrics. I don't do that. I only yeah. do old fashioned ERA. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think there's a blend of of eye test. You, you listen to the show, so you know my my stance on on this. I think that the tech is extremely important because if you ignore it, you're just ignoring uh, a, a possible uh, way to improve yourself in, in multiple ways in the organization. So the fact that they're going to a lot of this higher tech, um, you know, newer age methods, I think is a very strong move for the organization. It's a smart move. I think there's a blending of sorts though. I think having guys that know what they're looking at and can tell something by, by the eye test is important as well. And then having a, a blend of that, that new age and quote old school eye test type of mentality is, is, a, is a, the perfect method. But you cannot ignore the technology and all the things that they're coming up with because there's no, there's no doubt about it. It, it improves guys and their mechanics and, and the way that they grip the ball and throw the ball. And it's just, it's fascinating to see all the stuff that they're doing. So yeah, I'm happy that they've, they've really gone all in on it, <clears throat> but they also have very smart baseball guys too. Yeah. To go along with those, with the uh, tech. So um, this is just a hypothesis just for Garrett Cole. I know he was, he was kind of um, middling in the Pittsburgh. He was sometimes amazing. And sometimes he was just kind of not great. And then when he went to the Astros, boom, he was amazing. It just doesn't really seem right to me. I feel like, Something's off, and I'm worried that now that he's coming here, to. Sawyer? What are you trying to say here? <laughs> I'm just worried now that he comes to the Yankees. Maybe it was just a fluke, and they had him on some something, and then. Yeah. I mean, it. I'd be lying if I said it didn't creep into the back of my mind uh, as well. You know, if if um, if an organization is banging a trash can to get signs in the middle of an at bat, what else are they do, doing? You know, what else could they be probably doing? Probably not stopping there, and as we've seen, it hasn't stopped there. So. So yeah, the you know the the fact that a lo- it's not just Garrett Cole. There there have been other guys that have had resurgence going to the Astros. Uh, there's also been you know smoke with Trevor Bauer talking about uh, substances or you know ointments or whatever to, to tacky things that they use. Um, who knows? 
it would not surprise me. That that being said, I think Garrett Cole is the real deal. I think that the if you look at what he um, just physically looked looked like going to Houston, and then uh, as he was in Houston, the transformation of his just his body alone. I mean, the guy is an athlete. The guy has worked his butt off. Uh, he's he's changed a lot of things. I think the Astros did have some really good advancements with the way that they were teaching pitching and and, and spin rate. Uh, whether that was helped with something, I don't know. Um, nothing has come out about it. That's that's any. Uh, you know, that's legitimate at this point. So I, I think that he is meticulous in the way that he prepares and he's a student of the game. And I think he's going to make everybody on our team better. So yeah. I'm excited for him to be here. Yeah. So if we were going to talk about the Astros, like one more question before we okay. go. So if we were going to talk about the Astros um, one more time. So I know like their, their head coach, I forget whatever his name is. Cause he doesn't matter anymore. He's, he's gone from um, baseball. Gone out of our minds. Um, and um, they're kind of taking a step back because I know their new coach is kind of more of the boomer mentality. Like, I will not use this metric. I will not do that. It's kind of weird because they're known to be a very high-tech organization compared to, I don't know, like the Orioles who are basically throwing out anybody they want there and just seeing what sticks at the wall. <laughs> but, like, um, do, do you think that's weird? Like, do them, just, them just trying to, like, change everything that they're doing and basically take, like, a step back? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know necessarily if it's a step back, but it's a it's a it's a 180 compared to the mentality of where they walked in, uh, and, and the way that they had run their organization with all tech, and they they bring in a guy like Dusty Baker, who's yeah, very very much an old school guy. Um, but again, I, I think there can be a complement between the the old quote old school and the quote new school if there is an openness to it. Uh, I I don't know what Dusty Baker's feelings are at this point, if if they change or or whatnot, but I have to imagine that when they were one, I don't think many people wanted that job. I can't see many people wanted that job, but he wanted to get back in baseball. He did a good job. The last uh, time he was with the, uh, with the nationals, he actually set them up very well. And I think he's a good coach at the end of the day. So baseball guys, if they're open to this, this new technology and they're not just, you know, you know, shunning it and like, you know, dismissing it, then, then I think there's a, there's, a, there's a place where we can all coexist and baseball yeah. can be even better when you, when you merge the two. So we'll see yeah. what happens. As I, long I as we're not- nothing, but, nothing but losses. And, you know, I think they've gotten a big bailout by having, not having fans in the stands if we come back this year because, you know, they were going to get it on the road everywhere they went, and rightfully so. So we'll see yeah. what happens. As long as we're not um, having war between the boomers and the nerds in the basement, it's fine. That's right. That's right. We got to get along. Yeah. All of us have to get along. All these, all these nerds coming in with all these different equations and computers and there's a place for it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. This meant the world to me. You have no idea. Like I am just so happy. (laughs) I can, I can barely speak. I was so (laughs) nervous, but, um, so you're doing a great job, man. I, I, I really am, uh, and just happy to be here. I, I, I'm really uh, flattered that you asked. And uh, yeah, just keep going, man. You're doing a hell of a job. The, uh, the show is great. And I think uh, you're, you're going to be onto some, some awesome things. So appreciate you for listening for so long too. It's, uh, that means a lot to us. So thank you very mm-hmm. much. Thank you so much, everybody. This has um, been an amazing episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Peace out. Oh, look, you're still here. Well, unfortunately, um, this, this we actually recorded this interview before MLB announced that season would actually be happening. Some of this information is a little bit not right, but um, uh, I am going to do a future episode very, very soon about all the things that have happened, including 
um, a rule now that in extra innings, a man has to be on second base, which is flat out ridiculous and gives guys like Tyler Wade a huge advantage and also rules like, I don't know, like things like Garrett Cole, who might opt out of his contract. So get ready and stay tuned in this time for real. Peace out.